Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. Hello, and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? New year, new, new decade, new everything. That's what's going on, dude. Man, it is so, there is so much vision happening right now and so many exciting things in the works. I, I, Larry, I, I don't know, I almost could explode with excitement over all the things that are, are going to roll out in 2020. The first one, though, I just got the uh, the files, and I know you did too, Selling from the Heart is going to be published as an audio book very shortly. We've had so many requests for uh, the book on audio, and Larry, uh, here we go. You know, it was actually, when I got the files, I started listening to it actually um, a few hours before we're recording this, and I loved it. I, I mean, just a, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back, dude, but I, I kind of like the this tone of my own voice. <laughs> <Kinda cool. laughs> it is, uh, yeah, you're really going to enjoy it. I'm excited about the book and I'm excited about our conversation today. As we get started, uh, just a huge shout out again to our friends at, at Send Out Cards. It's been amazing to me, Larry, through the holiday season. Of course, uh, it's it's a time of year where, where you expect to get cards, but man, I've, my mailbox has been filled with some of the most inspirational messages from uh, people all over the country, friends at uh, at Selling from the Heart champions that are are taken to heart the just the simple act of saying, "Hey, let's show some gratitude and reach out to people." It's been so much fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a quick funny story, and then I can't wait to to introduce our guest. But it is um, so. What was what was funny is it's actually it's not funny, but it. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it is. Is so I went on. I mean, everyone knows I'm a diehard baseball fan, right? I mean, obviously, if, <laughs> if you've seen the video, them, look over my shoulder <laughs> if you if you if we ever pop some of this video out there. But I was so I got a tour of Dodger Stadium. My wife and I got a spent two hours in Dodger Stadium on Sunday, which to me is like going to heaven, right? I just died, went to Dodger heaven for a couple hours. So as we're snapping pictures, my wife and I go how much you want to bet how long is it going to take for us to get a send out card with pictures from Dodger stadium on it. But <laughs> I, I'm sharing this with you because if you want to capture the moments of your prospects, yeah. your clients and your friends, what better way to do it than capture their moments and send a card and say, Hey, I was just thinking about you. Yeah. What a great idea. And if you want to start a good habit, a great habit for 2020, um, start showing some gratitude. And I can't think of a better, more convenient and more compelling way to do that than a custom card sent from Send Out Cards. And you can try it out for free at cards.sellingfromtheheart.net. Um, we'd love to walk you through it. It's fantastic. You know, it really is when you, when you think about the things that are kind of the X factor that differentiate sales reps from sales professionals, kind of average achievers from the top achievers, you know, those X factors are what we might call uh, soft skills inside sales. And, and I, I even hate using the word soft skills because it sounds so weak. Uh, okay, but then, don't use, then don't use it anymore. 
Okay, so what are we going to call it? I'm sure our guest will give us some ideas. I'm sure the doctor will find something. <laughs> well, so why don't we dive in, Larry, introduce our guest, and, and we're going to have a great time of the podcast today. Well, w- once I found out what Dr. Jerome Gafford's nickname was when he calls himself the sales doctor, I go, yeah. wow, we finally, we got a doctor in the house. So what was interesting is I met Jerome, gosh, uh, I'd say a while back, we kind of brought our relationship, you know, face to face when I met him at, at the Outbound Conference this past, well, actually last year in Atlanta. And, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's really cool because I'm a firm believer that relationships and conversations start in many different ways. And I know we're going to be talking about it today. And, and I've just enjoyed my conversations with Dr. Jerome Gaffert. And then when I found out that he goes by the sales doctor, this is cool. So we have a doctor in the house, Daryl. Welcome, yeah. Dr. Jerome Gafford to Selling from the Heart. Thank you. Glad to be here. Man, we're glad you're here as well. And I'm really, really looking forward to our conversation today. But you know the question that all of our guests get at the beginning of the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your answer to what does it mean to you to sell from the heart? Well, you know, that, that's, uh, that's one of those questions that you have an, one of those run-on answers for. But uh, for me personally, I, you know, I come from a sales background prior to getting into education. And for me, selling from the heart always meant, you know, understanding your customer and focusing on the customer more than focusing on yourself. And so many times, and I think in the business world today, especially um, salespeople are bombarded by so many things and they, they lose focus of the primary reason that they're in a selling profession, and that is to serve others. Uh, so many people focus on serving themselves. And I think if we if we kind of take that step back, and part of what I do and how I present information when I'm working with students, when I'm working with corporate folks, is to you know, let, let's focus on you know what the customer's needs are. And, and, the, and the, the first question I always ask them in a training session is, you know, what are you selling? And have them list the five, four, five, or six things that they want to list that they're selling. And then I ask them to say, okay, what is your customer buying? Mm-hmm. And almost inevitably, those are two totally different lists when, when we look at that. And so, so what I try to get the salespeople focused on is we need to focus on what it is that our customers need. And that's where the selling from the heart comes into play. I know um, uh, a lot of people say the most important space uh, for salesperson is the space between your ears, the brain. Uh, I tend to believe that it's the space between the brain and the heart. And if those two are not connected well, then the, the possibility of you being successful and serving your customers becomes very small at that point. No, boy, that is just spot on. And thanks for sharing it. But one of the thing, and I, and I just have to ask, because if you ask, right, I know you have Daryl and I both have, if you ask a group of salespeople and their leaders, you know, what's it mean to sell from the heart and so forth. I mean, we're going to get some really fantastic answers. You bring up, you must place the customer first and things like that. You must serve the customer. We're going to hear things like that. But my question to you is what prevents that? Because, you know, in a room full of people who are sometimes afraid to say the, the real and the right answer, maybe because they haven't accepted being, you know, becoming vulnerable, just from your perspective of what you've seen, and, and I'd be curious on the responses you get, what prevents people from consistently and religiously doing that? Well, there's a number of things that happen there. Some of the research we've looked at recently has to do with behaviors, uh, and specifically behaviors that that prevent people from being successful in that role. Oftentimes, uh, the, the behaviors that we see a lot of salespeople exhibit 
are as a result of fear. They're, uh, they're, they're either they're afraid of, of, of having a conversation with somebody. They're afraid that, that the other person may look upon them in a negative aspect because of something they say or something that they have on or, or, or dialect or whatever the, the situation might be. These are all kind of trumped up perceptions that a lot of salespeople have that tend to generate fear in the body. And we, we, you've heard a lot of talk over the years about uh, parts of the brain and the amygdala and things that the, the function of the brain that causes our bodies to go into kind of a, um, a fight or flight mode, so to speak. And for a lot of salespeople today, with some of the research again we see is based on these these reluctance uh, fears that come up that prevent them from doing what they have to do to be successful. Mm. And, and, and for each person, that's going to be slightly different. You know, for some people, you know, going to a networking event or meeting somebody new is just beyond the scope of what they can do in their life. Uh, other people that's not a big issue for, but they may have other things. They may be afraid to talk on the phone or they may be afraid that, um, that they're not, they're not really, uh, bringing value to the customer. And, and all these are just indications that they haven't done the correct behaviors to, to be a good salesperson and to understand their customer better. So a lot of the work that I do is, is on determining that, determining from through some assessments that we have access to, how can we identify what some of those fears might be? And more importantly, what do we have to do individually with those people to help get them past that fear? And, and that, is a, that is a behavioral modification piece it's not just a personality issue. It's about changing the behaviors and, and making somebody feel better about the things that they must do in order to be successful. Well, that's really, that's really fascinating. And, and I'm curious as you're, you're looking at that, I mean, what are, you know, underneath that fear, what are some of the things that you're finding? By the way, to our listeners, this is such a gift today uh, because, you know, when we talk about these types of things on selling from the heart and when um, we write about these type of things. We know them from experience. We know them from reality. We know fear because we felt it. Uh, and, and but what I love about having uh, having you on the, the podcast, Dr. Gafford, is is bringing real research into this to say, hey, you know what? This isn't this isn't just intuition. This is validated. Up. And I'm curious from a fear perspective, as you kind of peel that back a little bit, what are some of the common things that you're you're finding in the research? Well, one of the things that, that tends to come out pretty pretty often when we look at um, research in this area, one area that we always find from a lot of people, and I mentioned a minute ago when in our in our pre-call discussion, mm-hmm. we typically find that about twenty percent of people in a sales role are of that hunter mentality type A, you know, go get them, knock them down, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The other eighty percent tend to be a little bit more of the hunt of the farmer mentality, which is a little bit more of a a B type personality. Um, they're great in a supporting role, but they don't really want to go out there and, and, and kind of do the initial contact and those kind of things. And so for a lot of people that fall into that second category, one of the things we find that, that is a direct manif- a manifestation of their fear is they become what we call an over-preparer. Mm. Uh, and so, so the fear that, that they're feeling, the anxiety that they're feeling inside and the, um, the reluctancy to perform the sales behavior is all built around this idea, okay, well, if, if I have the perfect PowerPoint show and every word in my presentation is perfect and every uh-huh. T is crossed, every I is dotted, and I go back and practice this 500 times before I go in and then spend 45 minutes presenting all this to my customer when the customer may be 
you know, two, three minutes and they've got all the information that they need. They, again, right. they, they get the focus off of what's important, which is the customer, and they start focusing on themselves. And so that fear in that situation in an over-preparer, all their energy is devoted to preparing and then never delivering. Right. And as a result, they, they don't earn any trust or any respect from the customer when that happens. And then once they leave that selling environment and they were not successful, then that fear is even manifest even further because they felt that they, they had perfected everything uh-huh. and it still didn't work. So there's something wrong that they got to go back and fix. And so that's where the fear comes out. Vicious there. cycle. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, like as the sales doctor, what would you say uh, based on your research to, to someone who's stuck in a cycle like that? Right. Well, there's a couple of things we can do there. There are a number of, of, of activities that we can bring in to, to work with people that are suffering from this type of situation. And I don't know if suffering is the right word. <laughs> I think it might be. No, actually. And, and, and that's actually, a great yeah, word. It's a great <laughs> word because it is. I, I mean, you can't really mask it. Just, yeah. just say what it is. We can't, we can't, I mean, we can't hook them up to an EKG and or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, I've been in, I've been in sales call facilities where I felt like I had to get that defibrillator off the wall. And <laughs> get them started back up. But, uh, we all need that from time to time. Right, right. We don't need that today, but, but I mean, it's, you know, it's just a matter of, of, first of all, we have to identify the reason for the fear and that's where the research comes in the assessments that we do. And, and once we, I mean, it's, it's one thing for somebody to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm afraid to do a presentation or I'm afraid right. to on the phone. I, I think we're all at some point in our life, like you mentioned, we're afraid to call somebody on the phone or afraid to go do a presentation or, or what, whatever it is we have to do in that sales role. But we have to identify the, the real source of that fear mm. and then start working on breaking that fear down into the individual parts. And then we can help them get beyond that. You know, when, when they see that the person's not going to reach through the phone and right. choke them to death, then that making those calls becomes easier. When they see that asking the buyer questions and then resolving their needs and their situation is more productive than the 45-minute presentation that they spent two weeks on, Mm -hmm. then they start to see some success in those environments, and that starts to get them beyond that fear. It's not always a quick fix for some people, depending on where they are in that spectrum. And some things are, are, are learned through what they've experienced in their life. Some things we found are even hereditary. There, there, are some, there are some characteristics that are brought into us based on things that happened to our family and our ancestors and, and all that's kind of been passed down uh, that way as well. But, it, but it's just a matter, first of all, of identifying again what, what the real issues are, what's causing that fear, mm-hmm. and then start to work with them on, on, on steps to get them beyond that fear and let them experience that success. And, and when we're able to do that, then we start to see all the other pieces fall into place. We see the right kinds of activity start to happen, the right kinds of behavior start to come into play, and then the right kind of results start to come from that. And that's the kind of cycle we want to repeat and yeah. continue to grow. Hey, you know, th- th- this is interesting. Can you share even more, just because I'm, I'm fascinated by this stuff, when you, when, you know, the fear and the excuses, can you share what some of these fears are and some of the excuses that you've been hearing? I mean, cause it, I mean, they have to be funny. I mean, they're serious, but they have to be. No, funny. it's good. And, and you yeah. have to write a book about this if you haven't already. By yeah, the way. yeah, you will. This is so good. This is I am, speaking of books, I am in the process of working on a book called Healthy Selling is Happy Selling. It'll be out awesome. later this year. And so we'll, uh, but we are looking yeah. at some of these things in the book as well. So some of the research is coming from a group that I work with in Dallas uh, you know, we hear a lot of different things. We hear, um, gosh, uh, everything from, you know, well, I sent them 
an email and a text and they never called back. So they, you know, they don't want to buy anything from me. Uh, that we call that a doomsayer mindset. They're always mm-hmm. looking at the, you know, the worst thing that can happen is going to happen no matter what I do. Uh, we, we look at other things where, um, where we, we, some people are even afraid to make contact with somebody because of, of the, the buyer's position in a company. For instance, if you're, if you're needing to talk to a CFO or, or mm-hmm. CEO in a company and, and you're reluctant to make that contact because you feel, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a CEO, uh, I'm not a CFO, I'm just a sales representative, you know, why would they ever want to talk to somebody like me? And so they, 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 they spend all of that energy worrying about what the other person thinks about them instead of just doing the behavior that mm-hmm. will lead to the success. So you will hear some of those kind of excuses. I, um, uh, I, I did, did some research with the financial services company a few years ago. It was interesting. They were, uh, they were noticing that when their sales reps would go out and, and they worked with, a, with a, a, a tool where they did a financial assessment on the family's home uh, and everything from debt to investments to insurance and all these kind of things. <clears throat> and they would come back and they would say, okay, based on what we determined from all your, your information, here's what we recommend that you do going forward. You know, these types of products in place, you know, restructured, whatever's got to be done to make your financial future work. Here are the steps that we want you to do. And the company found out that in about 60 to 65% of those follow-up presentations that the customers did not take advantage. In other words, they did not buy any of the products or services that were recommended in the assessment. And so the company was concerned about that. They went back and we did some research with them and they started asking these customers or or these clients that did not purchase the reason that they did not purchase based on what they saw in in the assessment in the presentation. And 80% of those customers responded back that the reason they didn't purchase the product was because the salesperson never asked for the check. Bingo. And so that, that is another example of a reluctance mindset that the, the fear of asking somebody for the business manifests itself in the fact that you never ask for the check. And, you know, the commission we make on the sale that almost closes is still right. zero. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some of that is just a, a, lot, a lot of that, that to get around that, that model is to sometimes it takes a, a coaching mentality mm-hmm. and not always a managing mentality. You know, the, the manager will say, well, just go out there and ask for the check. Right. But the coach will work with the person and, and go with them maybe on the call and help them see by, by making them feel more comfortable in the environment that, yeah, it's okay. You know, you've done the work. You've analyzed the situation. You've determined their needs. Here's the results, and here's the, the program we can put in place to solve your needs. Here's what it takes to get started, and, and you know, boom, boom, boom. Uh, you know, Zig Ziglar always taught us years ago, he said, when you, when you turn the contract around or the agreement and lay it down with the pen, then you need to be quiet, you know, telling you, with, with your approval right here, we can get started today, and then you be quiet and let them sign the paperwork and move forward. So many you know, people, yeah. that fear comes out, they end up talking themselves out of the cell. But it, but it's it's fascinating because Daryl and I talk about this all the time, and you just bring something up that I even want to expose even more if if we can, is you talk about the fear and the uncertainty around that person thinking just because they're dealing with an executive, right, or or an upper level upper level decision maker maker, why me? And you know, 
full transparency. I mean, I went through the same thing in earlier in my career. And I think all of us do is that fear of sitting down with the executive. I'd get sweaty palms and my stomach would nod up and things like that. But what I found out the easiest cure for that was, was to walk, talk and act like them. You don't have to know as much as them because, right? Because quite frankly, our knowledge space is different for everybody. But if you can walk, talk and act like an executive, you can carry yourself like one. You'll be amazed, right? We talk about equal business stature. You'll be amazed how somebody that might be younger, who's dealing with somebody older, they can escalate that equal business stature by just mirror mimicking and acting like the other person. Right. That's true. You know, we, we work with some people who are facing that fear sometimes and just, we help them understand that understanding the business language or the jargon of, of a particular industry can, can, you know, while it may not make them the expert in that industry, they are able to have an expert level conversation with right. somebody about that. And so, and that, that earns the trust and the respect of the buyer as well, but it does take, it takes some work on the salesperson. You know, you've got to do some research. You've got to read some information. You've got to study the industry. And if you're not willing to do that, then that is another manifestation of that fear because the fear saying, well, even if I do this, they're not going to listen to me. And then all this vicious cycle starts all over again <laughs> and you end up wasting all this energy on stuff. It really has nothing to do with you being successful in the role. Such a great conversation. You know, sales is such a, it is a head game, right? I mean, and, and I think I look back over my career as a sales rep and, you know, even as a sales manager, and it, it feels like the, the common solution, to every problem is more skills training, right? So you're not, you know, you're not closing business. We're going to drill objection handling techniques and things like that. Nothing. I mean, the skills are important. Sure. I don't want to discount that. We've got to always be working on our craft, but um, we also have to lift the hood from time to time and right. really dig in. And I think what's to me, what I've, I've grown to really love about the sales profession is, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like being married, like being married forces you to deal with stuff that you wouldn't normally deal with because you're, you know, it's that close to another human being and uh, God bless my wife. Uh, you know, but she makes me a better person. And I hope I do the same thing too. Being in sales is the same thing. I mean, you are, you are confronting fears, right? And I look at, I look at the times that I've been afraid in sales and I'll confess it still happens from time to time, right? You're, you're like, why am I, why am I nervous to talk to this person? I talk to people all day long. Why? Because it's not about that. It's about underneath this core fear of, you know, what happens if I get rejected or, or what happens if I don't close the business and then I don't close any business, you know, and then I am living on the street underneath a bridge and, you know, all of those fear spirals. Um, I think this is so, I love what you're doing here. And, and um, I think this is so valuable to put some validated research behind this to say, Hey, look, the, the, the key to, to becoming successful in sales, yes, skills development, but you also have to work on yourself. And I love it. I absolutely love what you're doing. Yeah, you know, I, I tell my students and my and folks who are training all the time that, you know, the as all these different things happen in a selling environment, whether it be a missed sale or, or appointment gets canceled, whatever, you know, I always tell me you know, that none of this stuff is personal. Uh, the The thing that we try to get them to focus on is, is as as bad as it may seem, the worst thing that can happen to you is you might learn something. 
And, and so it, even if something doesn't go as you planned, you can go back and reflect on that and see what you can do differently next time. And it's always going to be a learning experience. And, and you have to consistently work on that because if you ever get to the point, I think a lot of, I tell a lot of my students, you know, if you ever get to the point that you think you know everything, then you've lost the game. You've always got to be consistently learning. And that, that's part of you. Larry talks about that in the book, uh, starting yeah. from the heart. You've got to be always learning and always expanding your knowledge base because if you're not, the rest of the world is going to continue moving forward. And if you stop learning, then you actually are going backwards. You know, you, and you bring up some great points. And, and this is why I'm so concerned um, with tenured sales reps. And I don't want to say tenured by age. I just want to say tenured by how long they've been in sales. Because if you look at, and I'm not a, it, it, it's so funny because when I was writing, so, so I'm going to bring up a PhD moment because Dr. Jerome will actually like this. You're going to love this. But I was, I was a quarter of the way into writing my book and somebody called me out and wanted to know all the research and the case studies and all that, that I was putting into selling from the heart and I'm condensing it just for the podcast. Mm -hmm. But I, I went on to say after, and this went on for quite some time, I said, Hey, full transparency. I don't have a, I don't have a PhD in human psychology or human behavior and things like that. I got a, BH, a PhD from getting the, you know, what kicked out of me you know, for 28 years selling office technology. That's my PhD. Right. But, but where I'm going with this is the current state of affairs with tenured sales reps and always be learning and things like that has me concerned because we get to a certain point in our career where we, unfortunately, we stop learning and we stop working as hard as we did the first one to five years of our sales career. And when we start looking at the buyer changing and the business world changing and things like that, is my biggest concern is if we're not always learning, then, you know, the sales and the buying, you know, the buyers out there, they just, they pass us by. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and I know we're probably getting close to wrapping this up, but would you have any pearls of wisdom for tenured sales reps hmm. around some of the research that you're doing that justifies why tenured sales reps always need to be learning? Hmm. Wow. There's a tremendous amount of resources available that, uh, and through some of the people that all of us know very well that, that are you know consistently um, producing and putting out information, people like Mark Hunter and Jeb Blunt and, and all the guys that we know through, you know, um, Cody Babe and all the folks we know through Outbound. And these, these are all great resources. The, the, um, from, a, from an academic research side, we at UT Dallas, we do a lot of work in this area. There are about 45 or 50 other schools around the country that do offer uh, professional selling at the academic level undergraduate courses. And so we're, you know, we're looking at research from time to time. The, the thing that I'm trying to work on a lot right now is on this behavior piece. And that is simply, you know, what is it about, you know, students coming through college and you know, we're, we're trying to teach them uh, some, some basics about what it takes to be successful. Uh, case in point, I asked one of my classes last semester, I had 30 people in the, we, we limit our class size because of all the interaction that's involved. So I'm teaching four sections and have about 25 or 30 people uh, in each section. And I asked the, the uh, students in there one day, I said, okay, how many of you are money motivated? And only about three people raised their hand in that class. And uh, I said, well, that, that you know, brings me up to another question to ask you. How many of you are, are currently, while you're in school, paying for your own place to live, paying for your own car, paying for your insurance, your cell phone, everything else? And those same three people raised their hand. 
And so what, what that led me to believe, and we did, we talked about this a lot in class is that there are, there are certain people at places in their life who maybe haven't reached a point yet to where the, this idea of doing what it takes to be successful probably hasn't become important to them just yet. They're, they're in school, they're working on some things, they're learning what it takes, but as far as the application piece of it and that will to be successful, that may not have manifested itself just yet. So, so we talk about some of those things. Well, you know, you know, money's not, of course, not the most important thing, but uh, you know, Ziegler always said it's reasonably close to oxygen if you want to survive. And so it, you know, it's, and, you know, we live in a, in a free market society, and so it's you know, being able to, um, to, to build the kind of lifestyle you want for you and your family by helping other people achieve what they want, that's really what it's all about. And so, so when I talk to them about, you know, things that, that they can do to be successful and, and activities and behaviors that they need to work on, that's what I'm trying to get across to my students. And so when, when, we, when we try to find out where they are uh, at this stage in their life, then we can help them kind of start to focus on what they need to do to be more successful. And there, there will be those who will, you know, the, the, those that will rise to the top, so to speak, and they will, they will come to us and, and ask us more questions and do more things. There will be others who at this point in their life, it's not important to them yet. And so they, they will not kind of grasp onto the, to the, the concepts we're trying to present, but it's incredible how they, these, some of these students will come back to me three, four, five years after they graduate. And they say things to me like, man, I wish I'd listened to you in class five years ago, or, or the stuff you talked about back then is exactly what I'm having to do in my position now. So, so sometimes the stuff that we do, while we hope it has a tremendous impact on everybody. And I think in, in, in certain timeframes, it will, some of it pick it up sooner. Some people pick it up sooner. Others tend to be a little bit delayed, but even with their, if they're delayed, we can still get the information out there that we're looking to get into the minds of some of these new folks. When we talk about tenure sales people, Larry, the, uh, <clears throat> you know, I remember the comment that uh, Gerhard Geschwatner uh, said one time on the selling power. He said, there are a lot of salespeople today that have been in sales 20 or 30 years and they don't have 20 or 30 years of experience they have one year of experience and they've just been repeating it over and over again for 20 or 30 years. And so that's where I think a lot of this learning and, and applying yourself to doing uh, what it takes to be successful is going to be an ongoing process for, for someone that really does want to be successful, whether that be in a sales role, whether that be in your marriage, whether that be in raising kids, whatever that may be, you have to consistently be growing your knowledge base if you want to be successful. Wow. Great words of wisdom. I, uh, what a, what a fantastic conversation. <laughs> I drum, thank you for uh, just sharing time with us and thank you for the research that you're doing. I think, um, you know, I, I love, I, I can't wait to, I, I'm just, we were going to cheer you on in putting this book together. Um, and, uh, definitely look forward to having you back, especially as, as you pull together some of the research that you're doing this year, just incredibly valuable. I guess, um, you know, one of the great things about the Selling from the Heart community, and, and it is a global community of sales professionals, I know the people that are listening to this podcast and interacting with us really do care about their clients. They care about being the best, best they can be. If you could say one thing to an audience of sales professionals like this, what would you say? Uh, just, you know, keep fighting the good fight, you know, the, um, the, the world needs great salespeople. Uh, we will always need great salespeople. And it, it, it's up to us as a selling community 
to continue driving that word and, and help people understand what it takes to be successful in the sales role, to take care of our customers and to, um, and, and to build a future, build an environment for not only ourselves, but for our families and for our customers that, uh, that they can really enjoy what life has to bring for them. And, 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 and I think there's no better career in the world, I think, than a sales career to help manifest that in our people. Fantastic, man. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Gafford. Thank you, everybody in the Selling from the Heart community for uh, for joining us this week as well. Thanks for your reviews on the podcast. That helps us spread the word. Uh, look forward to Selling from the Heart in audiobook coming soon. So till next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value, close the gap between your head and your heart. And most of all, sell from the heart. Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.